Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. We're starting First Timothy today. What a great, um, what a great uh, time! Uh, I can't wait to do this. I've never studied First and Second Timothy. I mean, I've read some verses here and there, but to really study First and Second Timothy sounds just great. And uh, you know, this is Paul writing a letter to um, Timothy, who was very, very um, dear to him. Um, he followed Paul around. He helped Paul so much, and he was just someone that um, Paul depended on a lot. Um, Timothy was from a little town called Lystra, which was a little bit west of Ephesus. And when Paul was there preaching to the Ephesians at Ephesus, I believe that's where Paul meets Timothy, and um, after Paul's third missionary journey, you know, Timothy's with him a lot during these times, but after this, um, apparently Timothy kind of takes over. He's leading um, the church um, in Ephesus. He's taken over that church there. And uh, so Paul was heading back over to Macedonia, apparently. Um, now, the first time Paul goes to Macedonia, that was on his first missionary journey. I, I don't think this was that time. This was, uh, according to my study notes, Paul had already, uh, on his first missionary journey, journey, he went to Troas, and then God told him not to come to Ephesus, but to go to Macedonia. And that's where he goes and establishes the first church in Europe. That was the Philippian church in Philippi. So um, this letter uh, to Timothy was written later, um, and Timothy's a preacher, or he's, you could think of him as sort of a preacher, but he's heading up the church there, and he's a, or is a leader there taking responsibility for uh, that church. And so... Um, it's kind of, this letter is kind of, um, it's, a, it's a letter, it's an epistle, that means it's written by Paul uh, directly as uh, an apostle, is someone who's seen Jesus Christ, so it carries a little 
extra weight when um, a church would get a letter from somebody who'd seen Jesus Christ. It's almost like you're getting a letter from one of the rock stars. But Paul doesn't consider himself a rock star. Of course, he considers himself the lowest of the low. But uh, it's a it's a letter of an apostle. It's a letter to a church or his general epistle letters were written to churches, but this is letters a little bit different because it's a personal letter. It's a personal letter written to uh, Timothy. So you got these two letters going to Timothy, and then you've got these two letters. I mean, you've got a letter going to Titus. Titus was another um, preacher fella who was taking over a church on the island of Crete, apparently. So we get a glimpse of Paul's um, encouragement and uh, his message, his gospel message, but also personal notes to Timothy on how he needs to uh, lead people. And so we get a really good um, window, not only into Paul, but also into Timothy, and also in how Paul's advising Timothy on leading the church. So we we get a lot of insight into maybe some some of the issues that Timothy had to deal with, as well as any preacher nowadays would have to deal with. So we're just going to be looking at the first two verses, and that's it. Um, that's that was our that's our study schedule for today. But McGee makes a lot of points uh, about the intro, and um, I'll just mention um, my reflections on this. Uh, I'll read the first two verses, and then we'll make some general comments. Uh, Chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, verse 1 goes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that is one sentence, and that's a classic example of the way Paul writes. Paul uh, never uh, was afraid to use a comma. And uh, he always uh, is very good at, at constructing these compound sentences. Great. But um, first off, Paul, you know, starts off an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior. Now, Timothy probably knows that Paul's an apostle. I mean, he spent three missionary journeys with him. And... Paul uh, has probably told Timothy over and over of his conversion. Timothy already knows this. Um, So there's this uh, formality there. Um, But um, why would Paul do that to Timothy? Uh, I think Paul's doing this to Timothy uh, because he's getting later in the... um, He's getting ready later in this letter to give Timothy sort of a charge, you know, a charge to do some certain things, certain ways, and to be strong, um, not by his own authority, but by God's own authority. 
And so Paul's sort of letting Timothy know, I think, that Paul became an apostle by commandment. Yeah, Paul didn't have this magical con- or this this super conversion where all of a sudden he just gets a change of heart in faith. Paul is commanded by God to the position he's in. And so Paul is letting Timothy know um, that this is God's will. This is God's commandment. Maybe Timothy had been, you know, thinking about the way he should do things or is it the right way? Sometimes I think in leadership um, or or when you're dealing with people, you, you second guess yourself and you're saying, well, maybe I should, you know, if I'm preaching or if I'm teaching or if I'm doing something, maybe I should do something that will go over the best with the people that are listening. Nobody wants to be a leader of one. You know, you're out there so far ahead of who you're trying to lead. Maybe you're realizing that uh, you're... Um, What's in your heart may not be in the heart of others who are hearing you, and you've got to go back and um, collect the sheep um, because you've just lost half your flock because your heart's on fire in one direction and you've forgotten to, to, to look into the hearts of those you're trying to lead. And so Paul is um, writing this letter, obviously, to lead Timothy, who is obviously going to be charged to leading other people. And I think it's helpful that uh, we always start in leadership. We always start when you're instructing leaders on how to lead. You always start with the chain of command. You always start with where the authority starts from. And you always acknowledge the person who's in charge. So Paul's acknowledging, you know, Paul's coming to Timothy as a leader He's giving Timothy now some instructions on how to lead, but you'll notice Paul goes straight back to God. He goes straight back to Christ. He, you know, Paul says, you know, I'm trying to tell you how to be a good preacher or teacher, but, you know, the the words that I'm telling you aren't even my own words. These are coming from God. So I think this letter would probably have more weight to Timothy when he has that feeling that this word is coming to you from God. This word is coming to you from God. How, how many times do, do, have you ever got a personal letter written you know, from somebody who says, this letter came to you straight from God. This is God's word straight to you. How many times have you ever gotten a letter like that? You know, and... I would say for my life, zero, nobody's ever come up and said, look, this is the word of God for, for, for you, you know, straight to you. And uh, because if I, if I did and I knew that was a credible letter, I would be like on my knees, like I got to go over every, every letter, every sentence of this letter, because this is straight to me. And, um, I, you know, so I think it carried a lot of weight to Timothy that Paul constructs the letter just like this. This is the Word of God coming straight to you, Timothy. 
So Paul says he's an apostle of Christ, had nothing to do with his own feelings because it was by command of God. And he calls God our Savior in Christ our hope. And uh, so usually, you know, um, it's the word Savior, you think of Jesus Christ as the Savior. But now he's referring to God as the Savior. And then he refers to Christ Jesus, our hope. These are words that we've seen before, but it's interesting the application of the words here. And, you know, it... God saves us because if it wasn't for God's love, if it wasn't for the fact that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, none of us would be saved. None of us could be saved without God's love. So it all starts with God. It all starts with His ability or His love for us. God is love. And it all starts out by God, by God's nature, wanting to uh, save us. And he does that through Christ Jesus. He does that through Christ. But it's God's love that starts off that. And it's Christ Jesus who carries out that command. Paul is a... is. Um, is an apostle by commandment, and Christ Jesus is our hope who's carrying out the will of God on earth. So, um, and not only does he carry that out, but he is our hope. He is our hope uh, for the future. Hope is... um, Something that McGee has pointed out is it it's sort of that onward and upward way we live our life. And Paul uh, expresses these um, these big um, big um, Christian principles uh, back when we were studying Thessalonians, first Thessalonians, he talked about a work of faith a labor of love, and steadfast hope. And he was doing that within the context of the gospel message and how the gospel message is actually spread. It starts off with this work of faith inside us. It's that repentance. It's what our faith in Christ does does to us. We are this work of faith the gospel message is um, this gift, and that is grace. That's um, uh, that's what we receive. This gift of gospel message. That's Jesus Christ's message. So Paul is packaging um, this God, our Savior, this love that God has to save us, and that Christ Jesus is our hope. And he says, to Timothy, my true child, in the faith. So, again, he's drawing on these big Christian principles, and he's sort of tying them all together in one sentence. My my true child in the faith, the faith. And this is the faith, this gospel message of Jesus Christ. And as Paul is drilled down on what faith does, 
Faith is a work. Faith is the application of what we believe in our hearts um, that God did for us. And faith doesn't Faith is not just a feeling. Faith is not just us saying, oh, I feel so good. The sun is up and the birds are singing. Faith is just not a feeling. Faith is a trust in the Word of God. Faith allows us to understand that um, this Word is true. As Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That was uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But this faith, this trust in Christ Jesus produces this work, this work of faith in us to allow us to change our hearts, to allow us to change and to trust God with who we are in our, in our nature. So, Timothy is a true child in this faith, too, because Paul, Paul is a child of God, but because of his faith, Timothy is like a child of Paul because they are not only brothers in the faith in Jesus Christ, but also Paul feels like a parent to Timothy in the faith. The faith in Jesus Christ allows um, a relationship not only with God, but a, a relationship with one another that is of a spiritual nature. So we have a spiritual relationship with God the Father, our Father in heaven, but we also have this unity through our faith in Jesus Christ, because it's through faith that we trust that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and it's through faith that we trust that Jesus Christ will raise us from the dead. So it's this faith in Christ that allows us to be Christians, that allow us to be raised from the dead spiritually by the same power that raised Christ, so that we are now we have unity with one another in Christ. We belong now to the body of Christ, to the spiritual body of Christ that was raised from the dead. That is His church. And that is this mystery, one of the mysteries of the gospel message is how we have this unity with one another in the church, in the body of Christ, which is the spiritual body of Christ that was raised from the dead um, after the cross, after his crucifixion on the cross. So it's that faith, it's that trust, and it's that uh, faith working inside us that allows us to repent of our sins and have that relationship. It's the faith, it's the trust in Jesus Christ and nothing else. It's not what we do. It's what He already did that matters. It's not how good a person we are. It's how holy He is. Faith does not save us. 
I mean, excuse me, works do not save us. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. It's our trust in Jesus Christ. It's not faith in our own selves. It's not faith in works of the world. I was trying to say faith doesn't save us. It's it's not blind faith. It's not faith in just your own ability to do good works. It's faith in what Jesus Christ did. It's not a blind faith because we know that Jesus Christ already did something for us. He died for us. He gave His life for us. That's not blind faith. You have a faith in a specific thing. So, um, faith starts out the relationship with Timothy. And then he talks about grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, again, is this gift of the gospel message. It is an undeserved gift. Grace comes to us from God. Grace comes to us as a gift of God. And when you look at the gift of God, what is the gift of God? The gift of God is the person of Jesus Christ. That's His gift. His Son is a gift. And His Son is here to deliver the gift, His own self. And a gift of the gospel message is from God's grace. We don't deserve the gift. It is the person of God. That is grace. That is this gospel gift that we have. And we normally see peace, but we haven't seen mercy in Paul's opening statements. And mercy, again, is mentioned, as McGee says, a lot in the Old Testament. But mercy is like grace. It is a characteristic of God. It is a nature of God. God is a God of mercy. God is a God who wants to forgive us. And He gives us all these opportunities to be forgiven. He gives us, just like He, he did with the, uh, when we were studying Jeremiah in Lamentations, He gave the nation Israel opportunities over and over and over to be forgiven. Jeremiah was, you know, warning them for for 40 years. Why did God wait so long? Because he wanted he's a merciful God. He wanted people's hearts to turn. The last thing he wanted to do was to bring down the nation of Israel and send everybody into captivity. But the people rejected his covenant. He gave them the promised land when Moses led them out of Egypt, led them out of captivity. He gave them the land. They rejected His his teaching. They rejected His holiness. They rejected His presence with them. They forgot where they even, they forgot where they put the old law. They didn't even know where it was when Josiah was, Josiah was the one that found it. Josiah's, Helkiah, one of his chief priests, found it. Hilkiah being Jeremiah's father. Okay. So, merciful God is this 
is um, is a God who wants to forgive us. His grace is His gift of forgiveness to us. And peace um, is this peace from God. It is being at peace. It is the result of the gospel message. It is the result of a changed heart. We get the peace of God. We get, um, as Galatians uh, chapter 5.22 talked about, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Love being from God. We know God is love. And we know love is the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. Jesus Christ is love. Jesus Christ is from God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is the physical manifestation of God. Jesus Christ is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's love of Jesus Christ. Joy is the blessing that we get from Jesus Christ. It is the blessing that we get from God. The word joy comes from the word um, beatus, which means blessing, which translates um, the word blessing. The word blessing, beatus, comes uh, translated, and that, that means joy. So when we get blessings from God, we get joy. And the blessing from God is Jesus Christ. So as Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then you get joy after you get this gift of love, this blessing. And then after Jesus Christ, the joy that we get, that's our natural reaction to His blessing we have peace. We have peace with God because we belong to Christ. So the peace that we get is a peace with the Holy is a peace that comes from the Holy Spirit, from God and from Christ. Because it says here in verse two, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have peace with God. Through Jesus Christ, because we are now no longer at odds with God because of our sin. We are no longer um, condemned in God's eyes because of our sin. We have the gift of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ gives us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is living inside us. We belong to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit belongs to us. We have the Spirit of Christ Himself dwelling in us. We are holy because of Jesus Christ. We are not holy because we are holy. But we, have holy, we are holy because He is holy. We have the Spirit of God. So we have grace. We have mercy from God. We finally have peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And as Paul's mentioned the Holy Spirit in Galatians, that reference to peace is from God the Father, Christ Jesus our Lord, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's peace. We have peace by the Spirit. We have peace from God. We have peace from Christ. All of that is the gospel message. So this is Paul's opening letter to Timothy. What a great opening uh, 
this is, and he has really set the stage to give Timothy some some personal advice. Wouldn't that be awesome if we got a personal letter written by someone saying this this letter is to you straight from God? Wouldn't that wouldn't that be awesome? Well, you know what? You already had that letter. It's it's written right here for you in First Timothy. As a matter of fact, it's written on the pages of every page of your Bible. It is a personal letter to you from God. God made sure that He had it written down through the through the servants that He used all this time is to write this personal letter to me and you. Sometimes we take that for granted. It's God's Word, but it's very personal. And it's going to get real personal because it's going to go to, to Timothy. So I hope we can read this with this in mind. And I hope this was helpful for you. God bless you. I'll see you next time um, as we continue our study into First Timothy. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, take it away. And for me to all of you, keep your heart centered on Christ. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 to verse 2. So this particular book deals with the small things of the everyday running of the church. It looks at the caliber of the men and women who help in the daily running of the church. What is their character? What is their caliber? And this is what determines whether that church is a church of the Lord Jesus Christ or not. So this is looking at, you know, from men and women who pick up hymn books, who help to clean up the church, and, you know, who guide people to their seating, and things like that. You know, what is the caliber of these particular people who are helping in the daily running of the church? And this is what determines, you know, whether a church is a church of the Lord. So chapter 1 of First Timothy deals with the faith of the church. Chapter 2 deals with public prayer and the woman's place in the church. Chapter 3 deals with officers in the churches. Chapter 4 deals with the apostasy in the churches. Chapter 5 and 6 deals with the duties of officers in the churches. So we'll begin at chapter 1, verse 1, which reads, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Verse 2 goes on to read, To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So here, verse 1, Paul here, you know, even if he knows Timothy, and Timothy already knows that Paul is an apostle, Paul is actually asserting his apostleship. And um, he's saying he's an apostle by God's commandments. So in Galatians, Paul um, says he's an apostle by the will of God. But in this particular case, he's saying he's an apostle by the commandment of God. So here, we look at the difference between the will and the commandment of God. So Paul is writing to a young creature who is his friend and who is very dear to him. And this epistle is much more personal. Um, and um, inasmuch as he was writing it to the local church, he was also writing it to this young minister, Timothy. So the will and the commandment of God is synonymous, but, you know, it's not the same. So... All the commandments in the Bible reveal the will of God. It reveals that God is actually holy. So 
they're not just confined to the particular Ten Commandments that were given by Moses. They reach out much more farther than that. So, um, you know, it's the will of God for us to pray. And, um, you know, like it's written, like Paul wrote in, in, in the book of First Thessalonians to the Thessalonians. And, you know, he had said, we are to pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks to God. And this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning us. So this is one of the commandments that Paul gave out gave out to the Thessalonians. So here it's not you know the commandments are just not confined to the 10 commandments that that uh, Moses gave out. They are much much more um further than that. So the law is good and it demands you know the good in men, but you know Man, there is nothing good in man. Um, in in uh, the book of Lamentations, it was actually one of the verses was, you know, man's heart is so wicked, who can actually know it? So, you know, man, the law is very good, and this is why man cannot obey it. So the law reveals the will of God, and the Ten Commandments in themselves, they don't reveal all the will of God. So they expand further than just in the Ten Commandments. So, you know, so that the sinner might be saved. And um, this was actually necessary to find a part, you know, apart from obedience of the law. You know, just because, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a Christian, you obey the law, that doesn't, that doesn't guarantee that you're actually going to be saved. And, you know, it's the glory of the gospel that um, found a way that, um, you know, he may be just and a justifier in... in um, you know, to us human beings that believers, if we believe in Jesus Christ, that we may actually be saved because if it was just the law on its own, oh, we fall very, very far, you know, we fall short, very far short of the glory of God. And if we believe in Christ, we are justified from all things from which, you know, we could not be justified by the law of Moses. And the law condemned us. So it was an administration of death because the law is holy and pure, and we cannot just reach, attain that particular law. So the law was given to reveal that, you know, we are dealing with a holy God, and you and me are not holy, because the law actually is a mirror. The commandments are a mirror that actually just reveal who we are as human beings. So God had to find a way to save us, and it's the way of the cross. It's the way it's, it's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the way through the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, here Paul had actually written, I am an apostle by the commandment of God. And he made me an apostle. And he commanded me. So Paul was an apostle by commandment. So he was not commissioned um, by anyone. No one laid his hands on, on, on him. He was just commanded by God. And Paul. this makes Paul a soldier of God. And this is why Paul... You know, he could go before all sorts of people and preach. He could go to the synagogue and preach. He could go to the most corrupt people in Corinth and actually preach with authority because he was a soldier and he carried that authority. And the Lord Jesus gave him that particular authority. You know, in Jeremiah, we saw the same kind of authority, you know, when he gave strong statements and um, because he was under orders from God. So he is a soldier of God. And Paul is making this clear to Timothy that he is under orders. So, you know, today, the you know, men of God, 
should go out there and give God's word and not give their opinions. If you want to give out God's word and you choose to put in your own opinion, they just don't give out the word of God at all. And this is, we tend to see this a lot with, um, with a lot of people. They tend to want to give their own opinion and divert away from the word of God. Then just don't give it at all. So Christ is our savior and <coughs> God provided the sacrifice and Christ executed it by you know, dying on the cross so that we may be saved so that we may be saved. So now here, we look at the statement, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> he is our hope. So here, um, Paul says, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So when we look back, you know, it's faith. If we look back in history, it's faith. And, you know, when we look around us, it's love. And when we look ahead of us, it's hope. It's that hope in Jesus Christ that we have, that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. <coughs> And um, and um, this is the hope that Paul is actually writing um, about, like that hope in the Lord Jesus Christ that he will come again. So verse 2 goes on to read, To Timothy, a true son in the faith, <coughs> grace, mercy, and peace from, our, from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So here, Timothy. Timothy is also called... <coughs> is also called Timotheon. So Timotheon means dear to God. That's honoring God. So Timothy was dear to God, and he was dear to Paul, and he was dear to the local church that particular day. So Paul regarded Timothy as a son, a son in the faith. He was dear to Paul's um, Paul's calling, Paul's mission, Paul's life. So Timothy's father was, was a Greek, and his grandmother... Um, <coughs> Lois um, and his mother, Eunice, were Christians before him. And he lived in um, Lystra, and this is where Paul was actually stoned. And this is where Timothy's conviction actually came, um, and, and he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, after, you know, he witnessed the stoning of Paul, and um, and he believed, you know, like, this man has this much conviction in, um, in the Lord, which means he must be the true Savior. So he had a good reputation. So Timothy had a good reputation, and <coughs> this is um, stated in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 2. Let me just quickly turn there, and it reads, um, it reads, He was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So, you know, he was, you know, well spoken of. He was, um, <coughs> he was a good man. He was a good young man, and, um, and, and, and Paul regarded him dearly. And, um, <coughs> you know, as he followed Paul, he became one of Paul, you know, one that Paul could actually trust, one that Paul had a lot of confidence in. And, you know, in Paul's ministry, there were a lot of people who proved to be false and actually deceived Paul. And, but Timothy was an exception. He was one of the people that Paul actually could have had confidence in and confided in and believed in. So this is one of the the sad things that we actually find in, in, in churches today. You know, you have a lot of pastors you know, are deceived by um, fake and false people. And this is an experience that's actually, um, that's actually, um, 
you know, stands true today, and um, and which is very sad. And you know, Paul also experienced the same thing. So um, we find here that Timothy is actually really close, very close to Paul, and he is trusted. And um, Paul had actually led him to the Lord, and uh, we can see this in Philippians chapter two, verse nineteen, which actually reads, "But I trust." In the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. So Paul had confidence in Timothy and um, this is why he's saying to Timothy a true son in the faith. So now we come to these three words grace mercy and peace. So here now what you know we have seen in um, Paul's introductions he's always talking about grace, love, and peace. But now here, he puts in the word mercy. And what is mercy? What is the mercy of God? So mercy was used back in the Old Testament and was equivalent to grace because it was the mercy seat in... <coughs> because it was the mercy seat that, um, you know, a sacrifice was actually made. And, you know, it was the seat of God. So because God is holy and just, and that was the mercy seat. So when we go to God, we don't want justice, but we want mercy. So, you know, Jesus died to save you and me, and he lives today to keep you and me. He died because um, God has so much mercy for us. So God provided mercy for all of his creatures down here on earth, because if we follow the law, the law is a condemnation, it's an administration and a condemnation of death. We cannot attain to the law. So we can you know, call upon him and God is rich in mercy. When um, God saves us, he does it by his grace. So if we go to God, because God is rich in mercy, we go to God by faith. God has mercy and he saves us by his grace. So God's merciful to all who, um, you know, to all he, he actually, um, to all of us, to all his creatures. So, you know, you can tell by God's, you know, you can tell God has a lot of mercy because he sends rain to the just and the unjust. And, you know, this stands true today. You have non-believers who are prospering and, and oh, God doesn't have any favorites. And say, you know, because this is my child and this person doesn't believe in me. God is merciful to everybody because we have come to him by faith and God will save us by his grace. So, you know, in the other epistles of Paul, you know, we have love, mercy and grace which are a trinity. So, you know, love is that which existed in God before he exercised his grace or his mercy. So he's a God of love. God is love. And, you know, that's actually just his nature. And then mercy is that in God which provided for the need of sinful men. Because we are sinful, God still has mercy for us. And that's, um, you know, that, you know, that is the glory of the gospel. So sta Christ stands for us. He stands in the gap for us. And we go to through to Christ, um, to our Lord uh, God. And we pray to God because we are sinful men. And and um, and um, God has a lot of mercy. And then grace, sorry. Grace is that in him which acts freely to save because all the demands of holiness has been satisfied. So God is merciful when we can go to him and by his grace we will be um, saved. He will save you and me. So our God is truly, truly merciful. He is a holy God and 
you know, the law, just the commandments and the law actually just reveal the will of God, how holy God is. And we cannot match up to that particular law. We are saved because God is full of mercy and his grace is what actually saves us. Our God is just. Our God is merciful to all. You know, he, he, he doesn't pick and choose. He is a very merciful God and he is a God of love. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye.